I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here as always. And we're here to talk about Aston Villa 2, Newcastle United nil. All three points going to the Villa, of course, back to winning ways. Great to see and a very comfortable win, to say the least. But of course, there is always guests on here. You wouldn't want to listen to just me, of course. And that guest, of course, the first one I should say is Danny Raza. So, Danny, how you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm I'm, I'm coming off the back of that, you know, off that off the back of that match yesterday, and, and just 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 really relaxed. Had a really really relaxing fo- football match um, in terms of watching the Villa. And it was one of those for the first time in a long time where I didn't, you know, leave with my body overheating and, you know, my heart pumping, basically. Routine win. Loved it. Yeah, I know. And it's always great because, of course, me and Danny will message each other throughout the match. And, of course, I'm trying to arrange ahead for the next podcast and making sure he wants to come on. And it basically will depend when we record on how Danny is feeling. So I can kind of garner how Villa are doing and how things are going to go so it should be a good episode nonetheless but of course we have a first timer on of course that is simon o'regan so hopefully we can get him more involved on here uh, throughout the forthcoming rest of the season i guess I, I should say but simon as a debutante how you doing i'm very well thank you yeah um sort of like dan said really just coming back very relaxed off the back of that game um you know, I think it was definitely the most comfortable 90 minutes that we've had this season. Um, yeah, just brilliant performance. Uh, happy days at the moment, stand up for the park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird one, isn't it, Danny, to think of Villa, and I mean, probably for the last 10 years, and think comfortable win. But this season, it, it just feels like we can stick in second or third gear and still pull off points, can't we? Yeah, that was the thing with um, with the Newcastle game. Villa definitely weren't at their best. Like there was definitely a bit of complacency in the second half, but um, just you know, without without going into specifics, I just think that the team just did their job. Like the defense did their job. You know, Nakamba uh, and Louise were incredibly efficient from midfield. We created enough opportunities that you'd expect to score one or two, one or two of them, and that's what happened. Um, on a more clinical day. You maybe score three or four, but um, I have to say this about Newcastle and just, you know, with everything surrounding Steve Bruce and, you know, like this was quite easily the least competitive side to have played Villa all season, bar maybe a 10-man West Bromwich Albion side who, to be fair, kept it at 1-0 till pretty late in the game, if I'm remembering correctly. So that's, that's where I'm standing at the moment. But yeah, routine win. Yeah, like, I, I think the weird thing about this whole game was where I, it's a typical Villa thing to kind of go into the game with some confidence a few days before, and then when it comes up to the actual match day, you're thinking, oh, well, crap, you know what, this is actually going to happen. We don't know how this is going to go. And would it be oh so typical Villa to lose points here against Steve Bruce, of course? And 
they're struggling and I'd imagine he's probably on the way out here soon. I mean, that club's an absolute mess and I do feel for those fans because we were in that kind of mess not too long ago and we know how it feels and it, it just sucks. But Simon, I'll, I'll pan it to you because it's, it's a great win. And I mean, we didn't even have to be fantastic as Danny said there, but it, it's just nice to know going into games that you have that confidence. This team has that prowess and we can just go into a, just feeling with full confidence, really, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, sort of, yeah, as you say, leading uh, the day, uh, leading up to the game, I was, I was really confident. But then, yeah, just beforehand, that I think is just being a bit of fan. You have that little nagging doubt in your mind that, oh, then what if they somehow sneak it? But I mean, sort of the opening five, 10 minutes, you just, you can see why Newcastle are struggling so much. And, um, you know, once we went one nil up, at no stage did I ever feel and, and that any threat was coming from Newcastle. I mean, we were, we looked so comfortable. I mean, I, I kind of actually say we we didn't get out of second gear because we didn't have to. And I mean, it's been a long, long time since Villa have been in the position where they haven't had to be at at their best to win games, even against struggling teams. You know, we've so many times in the past we've kind of really struggled to put away teams that we should be putting away comfortably, but. Yesterday, I thought it was just a, such a thoroughly professional performance. I think that's probably the best way. It was professional. There was no need to get out of second gear, so so we didn't, which when you think of the sort of amount of games that we've got in such a short space of time, it's nice to know that they can sort of ease off a little bit and not have to go full throttle so that they've still got some you know energy left in the tank for the future games coming up. But no, it's just really, really good to watch. And some excellent football at times as well, I thought. I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to it a bit later, but I thought Traore was outstanding and he's he's really, really looking a top quality player at the moment. But yeah, as I say, just brilliant from, from Villa and from a Newcastle point of view. I mean, I, I used to, to, to not quite like them, to be honest, because uh, you know, I was never too keen on their fans. But uh, I think I've even got to that stage where I'm just feeling sorry for them now because if you're watching that week in, week out, and when you, you look at where Villa were last season to how we played this year, you must be as a as a Newcastle fan. You must be looking at Villa with such jealousy and envy, really thinking, "Why, why can't that be us?" Yeah, I think when you look at them, they must be feeling like oh, these guys got rid of Steve Bruce, and look what came after that. So if we can get rid of them, what might come next? I mean, they have more yeah. major issues, I guess you could say, with ownership and all that kind of absolute insanity going on. And I think that's where I feel for the most, but. Let's break right into the game, of course, because to be fair, we started off a little slow for the first few minutes and you could kind of see Newcastle's fullback swing backs at this point kind of really be utilized throughout the game. And they were ever present in the first few minutes, but the storm was just waited out for the first couple minutes. And then 13th minute, Ollie Watkins finally gets a goal, Danny. How good was it See, good to see him get a goal? Because I mean, it's been what, uh, nine games on the bounce without one. He scores here, and I guess to add on to that, I want to get your thoughts on this too. I mean, we always expect some kind of VAR controversy when it comes to Watson scoring, but how nice was it just to see him score? Because it's been a kind of enough BS, I guess, for him not to score, and just to have one go in the back of the net and it go so smoothly. What's that feeling like for you? Yeah, I think I think first of all. You know, I wouldn't quite call Newcastle's opening a storm. It was more like a gust of wind, if anything. <laughs> but I think you're like, you know, if anything, you're, you're, you're ever so slightly worried as a Villa fan that they got to see out the first few minutes. And they did. They did. You know, you never know with like Wilson and Carroll up there. 
uh, target men. The plan was clearly to just keep whipping crosses into them. But uh, lo and behold, it was one of our crosses that, uh, that got the opening goal. And that was, you know, Matty Target does a, fan- does a tremendous job. First of all, you know, Target's been an outstanding performer, I suppose, so far this month. You know, if you're looking at you're looking at who's been Villa's best player in, in January so far, tar- Target's probably like up there. Um, so brilliant for him to whip that in. And quite funnily enough, you know, similar sort of rule in a different situation to, to what happened to us the other day um, with uh, with Rodri against Manchester City. Um, the defender plays the ball, so it doesn't really matter that Watkins is ahead of him. The defenders come in, I think it's Cher, um, and he's, you know, gotten at the end of that ball to try and get it away. But, you know, Watkins is in the right position and he, and he puts it in. It's quite interesting with Watkins because he actually did get another goal disallowed for, for offside um, later on in the game. Um, but it's... It's one of those things where, as a striker, he's so close to the shoulders of the defenders that you just don't know when he's gonna when he's gonna cut loose. And and, and as as a defender, it's a very very difficult thing to keep your eyes on. But um, yeah, no end of a end of a run without a goal, and hopefully that's um, yeah gonna gonna start a scoring run. I'd like yeah. to think. Yeah, and Danny, of course, you mentioned he oh, well, he scored again, but of course it was waved off and frustrating. I probably yelled at my TV more in anger than I ever have. It felt like I don't know why. I just want him to score because it seems when he scores, it's in bunches, and the confidence I think that it brings to him is second to none. But Simon, I'll come back to you. I mean, it is a big goal for him for confidence wise, and of course, we all know he does so much more off the ball, and that's always great to see. And the amount of space that gives players like Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish is absolutely astonishing. But what did you make of his performance yesterday? Um, his performance yesterday, I thought, was pretty much what he's been doing even for the last nine games. The only difference was he, he managed to get on the score sheet. As you say, it's it's not just the goals. we've got. There's certain strikers, like, for example, Callum Wilson at Newcastle, he's, he's the goal scorer. If he's not going to get your goals, he's not really contributing. But if you look at Watkins, the his holds at play, because he, he doesn't look the most physically imposing of strikers, but he's got some real strength about him. I mean, I remember obviously the Liverpool game, but he bullied Van Dijk, which I've never seen a striker do before. So his, um, his overall play, uh, you know, he can run in, runs the channels really well. But when the ball, uh, you know, when the ball gets cleared up from the defence, it stays with him and he can then bring you know, the likes of Jack and Ross, Traore into play. And it's, He's a real good sort of focal point for the attacks, but he can he can also do that other bit going in behind. And uh, yeah, I'm, like yourself, I'm just really pleased for him that he's he's had a goal and and it stood because I think uh, certainly the West Ham one and probably even the West Brom ones that were disallowed. So I think you could, you know, they were quite dubious. So it's uh, I'm just really pleased for him and. He, it seems like he's got his head screwed on as well, and his feet like firm on the ground. He's, he's not, you know, when you listen to his interviews afterwards, he he speaks quite well, I think, and sounds like he wants to keep working hard. Um, so yeah, hopefully this will just be the start of another sort of purple patch for him. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think I'm just looking at some stats here. It's interesting to see he's leading in one of these, and that's aerial battles one. So second and third is uh, Tyrone Mings and Ezra Konza, respectively. But first is Ollie Watkins. Um, he has 65. The second closest is obviously Tyrone Mings with 48. So I think that speaks to his hold up play, what he can do going forward. And albeit he might not look on an on-screen perspective as a big enticing uh, striker center forward that can hold up the ball. He just puts his body 
kind of like Grealish does in the sense of in front of the ball, it's so hard to get it off of in that space that he can create. Just bringing it down is is second to none. And Danny, I'll come to you because we're going to go into the second goal. And of course, it's that man, Bertrand Traore. I mean, I think a lot of people were starting to press the panic button a little. Well, you probably could say way too early with that signing saying, what's the purpose? He just doesn't seem like he's going to get the opportunity and on and on and on. And I think, what, that was his fifth goal this season. So what did you make of that wonder strike and how, how pleasing is it to see him do well? Oh, mate, I damn near screamed when that went in because it was a rocket. Do you know, do you know like sometimes, you know, you know, you see them videos that are like satisfying things. Do you know, like I like that you, you see the DVD thing, like hit the corner. Do you know the loading screen? You know what I'm talking about? It's a bit like that. It was just really satisfying um, because he just, just banged it in. But like more than anything, it was, the, it was the way that was set up. You know, first of all, great to see a goal from a corner. Second of all, Traore basically controls it. He kind of uses his right foot to put it in front of his left foot. Um, you know, bamboozles the defender, finds Jack. Jack's assist is brilliant as well to be able to find Traore with his left foot so quickly. Um, and you know what? When, when, when people talk about Bertrand Traore, um, you know, having, having a really weak right foot, have that. Just, just very well struck. Yeah, good goal. Yeah, fantastic goal. prolific as well. Yeah, I think it's even better when it hits the crossbar. Any goal that hits a crossbar and goes down is just, it's so pleasing, the sound, the the visualness of it, I guess you could say. Um, If that's even a word, I don't know. But it's just so pleasing. And I think it's proving a lot of doubters wrong. And I think he scored two goals with his supposed weak foot. So uh, me kind of banging on about it earlier on the season makes me kind of look like an absolute tool, but nonetheless, I'm happy to be proven wrong. And just looking at our goal scorers this season, kind of going into a a general standpoint, it's great to see, of course, uh, just in the Premier League alone, you have Ollie Watkins on seven, El Ghazi on five, Grealish on five, Traore on four, uh, Ross Barkley in, um, Ezra Konza both on two, funnily enough. Um, it's it just kind of great, isn't it, Simon, to see the goals being shared. It's not so much the last time we were in the Premier League with Benteke and we just relied on him so heavily to basically do 90% of the work. It's, it's really nice to just kind of see everything being shared and we don't really have to be, I guess, quote-unquote, Jack Grealish FC anymore, isn't it? Definitely. Um, I mean, it's, it's really important as well to, if you want to, uh, be getting higher places up in the table. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at the teams that finish in that sort of top six, seven, eight, they 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 score a lot of goals. And if you don't have a striker who's going to get you, you know, 25, 30 a season, then it's vital that it can be spread around the team. And as you say, it's nice that we're not, you, teams don't look at us like they did last season and go, well, if you stop Grealish, you stop Villa because there's so many more options now. And, um, yeah, just like to have the goals being shared about the team, and even you know, cons are getting a couple from centre back. If if your if your defenders can chip in with sort of three, four, five a season, you know, it, it all adds up. And um, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's great to watch as fans because it's been a while, well, a long time since you've been able to sort of look at the team and think that there's goals all over the place here. You're not just trying to feed it into the one person all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, Traore, that that goal was it was just beautiful. As you say, they always they do look so much better when they come in off the underside of the crossbar. But um, I I think he's he's been excellent, and especially you know this. I think what a lot of people maybe didn't quite appreciate was obviously he came from Leon, and they I think got to the quarterfinals or the semi-finals of the Champions League. 
So they, so Troy didn't really have a preseason. So you not only is he coming over to sort of a new league, but he hasn't, you know, hasn't really done any any proper work. So he's always always going to take him, I think, a bit of time just to get up to the speed of things. And now having him sort of showing the performances that he's capable of, it just it it gives us so many more options. I mean, Trezeguet, you know, we all like him. He he's, he works really hard. But Troy Wade, I think, just does offer that something different, just that little bit of proper quality in the final third. But, you know, it's good to have those options, I think. You know, they're definitely really positive. Yeah, and I think it kind of answers a bigger questions that I think a lot of Villa fans had on earlier in the season, especially in the summer, um, with the shortened summer period and break going into the season was, okay, we need more wingers. And, of course, you bring in Burton Traore. We already had Trezeguet. We already had El Ghazi. And, of course, Grealish plays out wide, so that kind of fulfills that as well. But you're now looking at it going, you know what? Elgazi's doing a job. And we saw earlier before Trezeguet got hurt, he can do a job. And you saw how hardworking he is. And when he came on, he almost had a goal. If he could just put a little more power on that, that probably would have went in. And it's just great to see that there's players that we wrote off last season saying they're not good enough and they're finally coming good. And I, I don't think it speaks to them as a bad signing. I think I wouldn't even say it was a bad structure. I just think it takes a long time and it can with certain players to kind of understand and to fully grasp a philosophy, a play style and to adapt to that successfully. And I think we're starting to see that now that there's that buying in and player people will talk about certain managers uh, tactically being like Pep and Mourinho being brilliant in certain instances and all that kind of stuff. But I think when it comes to management, it's a lot of it's psychological. Like you see this in especially American sports with the NFL and coaches will come out and say this too. And I don't want to make this North American centralized because here come the, uh, I guess the gimmicks for me being a, a I'm no, broad, do it, man. Villa fan, but do it, man. it's it makes you special. I, I, if anyone's ever, obviously watch Netflix and ever watch the uh, football American football uh, series, last chance you basically they cover different college. Uh, well, actually I should say community college teams. And one of them's a kind of a rough and tumble guy. And he basically says the whole aspect of coaching in any sport is if these players will basically buy in and almost die for you, obviously not obviously die for you, but they buy into that culture and that mentality. And that's what a lot of sports is. And I think that's what we have now under Dean Smith and the whole kind of ethos of the club is going in the right direction. And now that everyone's buying into not just his playing style and what he believes, but the structure all the way from the top, we're finally getting things right. And it's been a hell of a long time coming. So I I guess in a simple way, Danny, I'll pan this back to you. It's great to see, but I want to talk about Ezri Kanza before we do our match balls. And actually before I read out the Twitter comments, because I forgot that last time and I feel terrible when I forget but with Ezri Kanza, I think he's only been dribbled past once now uh, this whole season. I mean, h- how much of a gem has he become in such quick succession? Because he's kind of went from this center back where we thought, okay, he can be something eventually. But I don't think many of us thought he'd be this great this quickly. Man, he's he's so good. You know, look, for like him and Mings, together as a partnership, have to be the best centre-back partnership I can remember for a very long time. You know, it's even getting into that territory now. Uh, I, it's getting into that territory where you've got to look at, like, Laos and Melberg and think, do you know what? Like, are these guys just as good? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? It could all, it could go, it could all you know, flip backwards, uh, you know, at some point or another. Hopefully not. Uh, but look, you know, 
there was there was parts of that game yesterday where Ezri Konza just just bullied Newcastle. You know, he was he was picking the ball up from the forwards like it was nothing, intercepting it at, at points. He was dribbling, you know, dribbling into the into the opponent's half. You know, there was one where he kind of almost ran down the left wing, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, no, Ezri Konza is developing so well, and people even talk about you know, oh, Konza should be getting called up to England instead of. Things like Southgate needs to get him on the... Co- Look, it's not just concert. It's a defensive mentality. It's the way that Villa have been defending. It's the way that they've been defending as a unit. Smith knows exactly what he wants of his centre-halves. And, and Konza is just that. It's the reason why when... Um, you know, I, I don't even remember if we... Yeah, we did a podcast, didn't we? And it's the reason when was mad about the whole Manchester City decision, he said that he doesn't want Mings booting the ball... Um, all the way back to man, he wants him to control it. That's what him and Konza both have. They've they've both got brilliant ability with the feet in a way that not a lot of the halves do. He, you know, Konza's basically in the John Stones in the John Stones school of defending in a in a way. Um, but it's 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 definitely getting to that point where you've got to you've got to hold him up there with like Joe Gomez, John Stones, and yeah, I think the other player I kind of want to talk about is Maddie Target, and I'll move this over to Simon because. I think you would agree, Simon. A lot of people were saying this is probably the one position left back that we're going to need to improve here soon. And now you look at it and thinking, well, where's his chance for England? He's doing better than some of the usual left backs. And considering all the COVID stuff and him going through that and just his overall performances, not only the last two games, but this season so far, what have you made of him? I I think he's been outstanding this season. Um, Yeah, I kind of, I, I understood where people were saying that that's, when you looked at the starting eleven at the start of the season, you'd maybe say left-back is the area where you could improve on next. I didn't necessarily think that it was a major priority. Like I mean, some fans thought, I, I thought some of the criticism Target got last season was way over the top, yet he, he wasn't outstanding, but he wasn't, it was never, never as bad as some people would try and have you believe. But to be fair, this season I think he's really stepped up a lot. He's he's always been good going forward, but it's defensively this year and <clears throat> defensively against quick players. When last season I remember, you know, especially against Adama Traore and wingers, he had real pace. He struggled with, but you look at how he played against Troy this year, how he played against Sterling the other night. Um, his tackling has really improved. Um, but I mean, I think he's just one of a, a number of players who, under a good manager and a good coaching team, have improved. You know, you look at Douglas Louise and the improvement that he's made, the improvement Cons has made. But yeah, the target, I think he's been really good. And like yourselves, actually, on after the game on Wednesday, I was I was kind of looking at it thinking, do you know what? If, looking at the impacts in the Premier League this season, I'd say over the course of the whole season, he's been the best. Luke Shaw over the last month has been really good. Ben Chilwell has struggled at Chelsea. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly think that he'd, he'd be worth, certainly worth a look or, you know, should be in contention for possibly getting an international call. Because it's not as if England are blessed with great left-backs at the moment anyway. So, um, no, target, I think he's, done really really well and yeah hopefully it continues well I think they should just put the villa back four in the uh the England yeah. back four. I I think that works because you know what I think we have the most clean sheets if I'm right in saying this season so 
something's working. So you, you might as well. I think it'd be a beautiful thing to see it. I doubt we'll see it, but nonetheless, you never know. But let's go over to the Twitter comments. I'll just read out two or three now. And of course, thank you to all of you listeners who always get involved. Of course, if you want to tweet us post-match, it's at 7,500 to Holt. So I will just go to the first one and that will be uh, David Bladden saying, nice to see us looking so comfortable. Troyer's best game yet. Konza and Target outstanding. We're getting better and better. Best game from Nakamba to good defending and tidy in possession. Uh, AVFC calm just says marvelous and sends a picture of marvelous in a canvas face. I very much like that. Um, kind of surprised me when I opened it up very early this morning, but nonetheless, always great to see. Uh, Paul Brooks says good first half, never got out of first gear in the second earliest win. We will also we will all get all season. Uh, Target was man of the match for me. Nakamba and Esri also did very well. Generally can't wait for the next game to come. And we'll finish it off with uh, uh, Jack Susnan saying, Newcastle are terrible. We did exactly what we're supposed to do. Can't complain about a clean sheet. So thank you all, of course, for getting involved. You can tweet us, like I said before, at 7,500 to Holt. But Danny, let's get over to our match balls before we kind of preview Burnley here very quickly. So who would you give your match ball to for the Newcastle game? It's a difficult one for me. It's a difficult one for me. Um, Bertrand Traore, Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish all would tell you that they are the man of the match, judging by their reactions at getting subbed off. Um, Ollie Watkins definitely is in with a shout because the way he played, I thought he was brilliant and just good for him to get a goal and saw some real trouble. Bertrand Traore, again, had a very, very good game. Brilliantly creative on the right-hand side and always looked a threat, but probably because it might be the only time um, he gets it all season. I'm going to go for Marvellous Nakamba. Just, I've been a massive advocate of Nakamba coming in and I genuinely hold him up there. I think I think that if you have to take out a midfielder in the Villa, the Villa starting 11 and put him in there, you don't notice that anybody's gone. McGinn's brilliant, obviously. What, what I'm trying to say is we didn't, we didn't actually miss him against Newcastle. I think Nakamba did, did that job brilliantly. Okay, you know, coming up against the Liverpools, the Manchester United, it's a little bit of a different story. But what Nakamba showed you yesterday was that he can go in, he can come in there and not put foot wrong all game, and and uh, you know just just trouble um, trouble a Premier League midfield um, in terms of his tackling. Um, but yeah, that ninety nine, I think it was ninety nine percent pass success, which over the course of ninety minutes is brilliant for a midfielder and um, just looking like a really classy player who, who who has improved and and again another one of those players who just seems to be in tune with that villa system now. So I'm gonna go on to Camber. Fair enough. Simon, how about you? Um yeah I, like Danny, I think there's a there's a couple of players before you know I'd agree Nakamba had a really, really good game, looked really comfortable in there. I'll go for Troy all right because I just thought not only was the goal brilliant, but every time he got on the ball they looked absolutely petrified of him and uh, it caused them a lot of problems. He looks, just looks a really clever player and I'm looking forward to seeing how him, Jack and Ross sort of combine together going forward for the rest of the season. So yeah, I'll go Troy all right. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with Maddie Target. Um, I, I, I think oh, really? it's more than fair. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't really think he put a foot wrong. He's done incredibly well over the last two games. Of course, we're just rating it on Newcastle, but I just, he doesn't really put a foot wrong. He's just, his game has gone from the next level to the next level to the next level. I, I just think the options he brings bombing down the left and the relief that brings to both Jack and to Ross Barkley, and I've said this, I feel like a million times, 
I think it's unparalleled how well those three work together. And especially with Ollie Watkins giving even more space, I think his kind of crossing ability is underrated as well. So I'm going to give it to Maddie Target. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the wrap up of the Newcastle game. Let's get on to oh. Burnley, of course, because we play them on Wednesday at Turf Moor. Um, so we'll just kind of go over this briefly. Our brief thoughts, of course, because I think we just played them, what, it feels like a month ago. Um, everything coming so thick and fast. But Danny, I'll pan it to you. How are you feeling about this one? Confident, of course. Yeah, okay. I'll be as quick as possible. I think Burnley <laughs> have improved over the over the last few weeks, I think. Um, have a look at their record, actually. Um yeah, they got the they got the win over Liverpool. Uh, they 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 thrashed Fulham in the FA Cup today. Um, and yeah, in general, you know, haven't been conceding many goals. We saw that they made lives difficult for us before. We couldn't break down their defence. Um, you know, they, they were just so so difficult to to kind of get an attack against. But having said that, I think we're a little bit more potent now. I think Traore um, has, has had some more time to bet in. Grealish, Barkley's back now. Uh, yeah, I think I think if we find a way through against Burnley, I think we'll go. Uh, I think we'll win it. Um, but yeah, Dyche has them playing good football, and there's a little bit of um, little bit of positivity around Turf more at the moment, considering um, considering the new ownership and, and 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 the ideas that they probably have for the future now. But yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a win for us. I think I, th- I, th- I think I think we'll manage it this time. Score prediction one. One nil. One. Yeah. One nil. Um, <laughs> Just one. No, but, uh, but the Newcastle game showed us that we could break down a team that tried to defend all game. And, you know, when Gre- you know, for example, when Bertrand Traore scored and Grealish found him in the box, every single Newcastle player was in the box. You know, more of that, more of that against Burnley. And let's see what happens. Yeah, they, I mean, they might hack you down a few more times than Newcastle did. But nonetheless, uh, Simon, what are your thoughts heading into this game? And can we get your score prediction as well? Um, I think it'll be pretty similar to the home game we had them in December. I think they, they're they a tough team to play against and but and they don't create an awful lot, uh, which is pretty much what happened when we played them at home. Um, so just hopefully we we can we can actually get, uh, get over the line with the three points this time. Um, I'm going to go... if. If we can get an early goal, then I think we can maybe, and they open up a little bit, we can maybe win by two goals. But yeah, I'll maybe go the one nil as well. Just, I think we're so good defensively that if we if we can take the lead, I, I can't see Burnley coming back and, and getting anything off us. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go two nil Villa. Um, just feeling very confident, like we've said kind of throughout this um episode of the Holt cast I think we're able to this year kind of go into those second and third gears and we're still able to grind out results it's a complete parallel to last season and the season previous it just shows that we're going in the right direction albeit Burnley are doing very well recently of course like Danny said the win over Liverpool they're grinding out results I never really thought they were going to get relegated I think a lot with their injuries earlier on it just caught up to them and now you're kind of seeing the typical hard fighting Burnley that are going to grind for points when they can and you can expect that it's always going to be a physical one so we can see that as well but yeah I'll go two nil um, but yeah I think that wraps up this edition of the Holt cast. So uh, we'll leave it there. Of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at talk Aston Villa. If you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Raza Journal. and Simon, I'm having a nightmare. Uh, what's your Twitter? It's at Sayo Regan.
There we go. That that's fair enough. I feel like if I would have said it, I probably would have butchered it. So maybe <laughs> I'll just keep that as as a usual thing. But of course, if you want to tweet us, it's at seventy five hundred Holt. Email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com. We'll leave it there. Thank you all for listening. Of course, if you'd be so kind, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review. And if you want to leave a comment, that's nice too. And whatever other uh, podcasting platform you're listening to, leave a review. It's always appreciated, and it just makes um, others find us much easier. Like I said before hopefully a positive result at turf more on wednesday and don't forget up the villa planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.